Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. And oh my gosh, I am loving how much you guys loved Dansby's episode last week. I think that's great. I hope you've enjoyed the first week of Major League Baseball, and I hope you've ordered your Dansby Swanson jersey. Hey, speaking of ordering stuff, make sure you catch Dave Barnes when he is out on the road. Make sure you get a ticket to his show. His new album just came out. That's the music you are hearing in the background, and you are definitely going to want to see him in concert. He is funny. It's This particular tour is both comedy and music, so it's kind of everything you've ever wanted from Mr. Barnes, so you need to go to his shows. My guest today is a good friend of mine, Allie Worthington. You probably know her through maybe when she started the Blistem Conference or through her books or just through her social media presence that is so fun. But she's an incredibly smart woman, great businesswoman, just one of my absolute favorites. Her most recent book is called Fierce Faith, and I really loved it. And so I called her and asked her if she would come be on the show with us. So here is my conversation with Allie Worthington. Allie, okay, let's start with... Hi. I feel like I haven't seen you in a really long time. It's been ages. We were in California. Was it when we were in California a few months ago? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that was the last time I saw you. But when did Fierce Faith come out? This January. January. Mm -hmm. New year, new you. That's right. It's a good thing. What has the response been? I mean, I've seen the response on the internet, but tell me, for you personally, writing a book, this, this one was, to me, more personal than Breaking Busy. Yeah? Totally, yeah. What's it been like getting the response the first three months so far, four months. It's insane with this one because with this one, people say, this changed my life. Like I'll get an Instagram DM and they'll go, oh, this changed my life. And I think, I don't even, I don't care about sales. I don't care about if the cover isn't perfect. I don't care what happens with this. With this, this means something. I mean, breaking busy is great, but learning not to be busy, it's not life-changing. I mean, it can be, to be fair. Maybe. I think it is. I mean, if there's one thing, I'll honestly tell you, I'm a big um, celebrator of Lent. It's like a season that God and I do a lot in every year. And one of the like top three things this year for me has been slow down. Wow. Uh, Not even like a professional slowing down, but like in a, and and we'll love, we've already established we're both Enneagram sevens, which I love. So we'll interrupt each other constantly. I I got in trouble a couple episodes ago. uh, The, one of the biggest, one of the biggest things people said back is like, you interrupted all the time. I was like, I know, I'm sorry. But one of the things we also do, sevens also do, is we want the destination, not the journey. Totally. And so the Lord has really been on me about like, what if it's really about being right here versus where you think this is going? Which is the worst thing ever. Yeah. The worst. Yes. Do you feel that too? Yeah. yeah. Well, and okay, so talking about personality tests, strength finders, I'm futuristic. Oh, and a seven. Yes, Lord help the them. worst. I know, yes. my poor husband. And everything I do, I use this concept of future Allie. Like, what's future Allie going to say about this? Like, I'm going to go to bed tonight on time, or future Allie in the morning is going to hate me. Yeah. Or I'm going to invest in X, Y, and Z now with my time because I want future Allie to be happy because yes. I'm just not, I'm not present. I'm always thinking about myself in the future. So is that bad? Because that sounds like a really healthy way to do things as well to me. I guess it is pretty handy. Yeah. I mean, it depends on it depends on if future Allie is going to be mad or not. Because sometimes I'm just lazy and she's right. mad at me later. When does, can you feel a line when you plan like that where you go like, okay, I know what, because I, I mean, of course I do. I do the exact same thing where I go like, I promise you Annie tomorrow is not going to be happy if you do this today. Absolutely. And where's the line of where that stops being healthy? Can you feel that? I think for me it's healthy because I'm not exactly that disciplined. 
I'm only disciplined at the stuff I have to be disciplined about. Yeah. So if I if I know like career, family, faith, I'll be disciplined about that. Anything else, you might find me just eating a bowl of ice cream at 11 o'clock and yeah. having, having a good old time. How did you determine what things deserved your discipline and what things didn't? Somebody told me a long time ago that her dad told her that life is like juggling um, crystal balls and rubber balls. Okay. And so the crystal balls you keep in the air. The rubber balls, you can let those bounce. And so for me family, career, faith, those things are my crystal balls. Everything else, it can bounce around. I can pick it up later. Yeah. Family, career, faith. Those are your three. So uh, Not in that order. Right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're like, no, no, no. Career first, Annie, obviously. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. Um, We are sitting in my office, and what you can't see behind you is we have a big list over here of yeses and nos for 2018 and 2019, where we really said, okay, no matter what, certain things are nos this year. Because I was treating everything in my life like a crystal ball. I, I'm examining your list right now. Yeah, I really dig probably it. don't read it out loud only because, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you can read some of the yeses out loud, but the nos were trying to just make them nos. So good, yeah. But yeah, it, it was it was really because I've treated every single thing in my career like a crystal ball, like the things that paid me $7 million and the things that paid me that I had to pay $8 million to attend, Yep, I was treating them both the same. And obviously those numbers are very low compared to what I actually make. Now you know the real deal. Now you know Annie the real Annie Downs deal. I make $7 million a weekend. Um, but we were just seeing that there were things that I was using my time towards and my energy towards that were making me incredibly busy. Oh, well, add the fact that you're in the ministry too. Right. So then not only are you busy, then you feel guilty when you say no. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. huge. Yep. And for me, everything changed when I realized that, you know, of course, we all know as Christians, Jesus never sent. But Jesus went around disappointing people. Yes. But we treat disappointment like it's a sin. And who are we to make something into a sin that's not? Disappointing people is just part of living out our calling. So we're going to say no. We're going to disappoint people. But you know, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Disappointing people is part of living out your calling. Dude, I we are writing that on the wall in here. (laughs) Disappointing people is part of living out your calling. It was so often, that's the exact opposite. You're right. We treat disappointment like, to not do what someone else asks us to do is to sin against God. Well, and, and to be a woman and to be in the ministry, those things, because what's what's the worst insult we get? <gasps> We're selfish, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. scary to even think about it. I may sweat right now just mm-hmm. having the conversation, mm-hmm. but we have to give ourselves grace and give ourselves permission to disappoint. Yeah. I one time had a pastor uh, unhappy with me at a church I was attending. And his, in the meeting we had his, the center was, you're just really selfish. And afterwards I called my mentor pastor from Atlanta and I told him the whole thing. And he said, yeah, everybody has an inclination towards something. And maybe your inclination is towards selfishness. That may be true, but also that was not true in this story. You know, so, so it's good to say, it's okay to call yourself selfish sometimes. That is not always the case. Yeah, you that's good counsel right that, there. Right? Yeah. Who do you have that you can call like that? Do you have people like that? I do. I have a great friend in Houston. Not only is she brilliant, she was in the ministry. Is it for... Beth Moore? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Beth, Beth come on. <laughs> can I call you? <laughs> um, but she was in the ministry for almost 30 years and yeah. is out of the ministry now. And, and I can call her with anything. And she'll yeah. be like, girl. Are you serious? A lot of the stories you see in the book, like, so yeah. I called a friend and my friend helped me realize that I was being dumb and she taught me X, Y, Z. It's her. <laughs> All throughout Fear's Faith. All throughout. <laughs> we can like, this is, okay, tell me, 
back up a little bit because you and I have known each other for Ever. a decade. Yeah, yeah, forever since I moved here. But I, I want you to talk about the transitioning to writing books or how that became the right next thing because so many of my friends who are listening want to write books too. But you were like a businesswoman, almost said a bad A businesswoman. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> you were. I watched it. I mean, you you built businesses, but that were also in the faith world to some degree. And now writing books. What's that transition? 12 years ago, I'm in a bookstore and I'm looking at all of the Christian women's books. I'm like, these are these are kind of dumb, you know, because yeah. it was all flowers and whatever they were 12 yeah. years ago. And I thought I should write a book. No idea what I'd write a book about. So I went home and I Googled on dial-up internet. You can only imagine. Thank you. How do you get a book deal? And the answer was, unless you're famous or infamous or well-connected, it's not going to happen. And I was like, well, dang, I'm none of those things. Yep. Next Google search. Any other ways to get a book deal? And it was, you can start a blog, prove to a publisher that you can have a platform and people care what you have to say. Third Google search, what is a blog? Mm. Literally. So started my first blog and then just fell in love with this ability to on the internet to learn anything we want to learn, to grow anything. I mean, you don't have to ask permission. You just Google it up. I like to say with God and Google, we can take over the world. Thank you. That's so good. You Google it up and then you just build it. Yeah. Like for nothing. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So I fell in love with building businesses. And then in 2012, the Lord told me to step away from everything that I'd built and just step out into nothingness. Yeah. And at the same time, after I obeyed, he made it clear that he wanted me to write my first book. And yeah. I thought, well, I don't want to do a book now. Business was so easy yeah. compared to writing a book. Yeah. Writing a book is like it's like punching yourself in the nose over right. and over again. Like it's hard. It's, it like is. I would I would rather just like, can I just build a company? Yeah, that would that's be right. amazing. That's right. Do I have to live through a really hard season and then, you know, learn lessons and then yeah. try to put correct grammar in there? Uh, right, right. Um, but now I love it. I mean, I love it now because I'm not actively writing anything. Yep. If you talk to me next year, I'll be like, oh. It's the worst. The Lord has me write a book about such and such. I and know, this is the worst. I'm in my last edits of the next book. And I'm like, this you? is the worst book that's ever been written. I hate everything. <laughs> I like, literally oh, turn good. it in and I go, this could be brilliant or this could be rubbish. Oh, Just that's figure right. it out later. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me a little bit. One of the things I love hearing about is when people hear the Lord for themselves. Yeah. And what that sounds like. So when you say, I really felt like the Lord told me to or encouraged me to, to walk away did you hear an audible voice? Did you read a scripture that stood out? I know, me too. Did you read a scripture that stood out to you? What? How did you know God's voice in your life, particularly in that decision? Well, when I was 30, no, no, not 32, I had my last baby who's out in the hallway yes. waiting for us. <laughs> Jeremiah, we used to call him the Bliston baby because I brought him to the conference with that's him. That's right. First. I remember. Yeah. Oh, that's my him. gosh, that's him. Yeah, and <gasps> he is out in the lobby right He's now. He's a grown child. Mm-hmm. And He's he watching The Greatest Showman on the yeah. iPad. Our, if we could all be doing that right now. Right? How I'm much raising do you love right. that? Oh. So, okay, wait a minute. He's nine. I'm 40. So, yeah, I was 32. Yeah. First time I ever remember hearing the Lord, we were at church. And just out of the blue, I wish it was an audible voice. I heard, you will have another son and you will call him Jeremiah. Oh. And I was just like, in your heart. In my heart. Yeah. And I was like, that is dumb because yeah. I'm done having kids and I don't like Because you already name. had four. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, Jeremiah? No. Yeah. So we get home. My husband said, I think it's time that I get another job. Like, it's time to move up. And I said, why? And he said, I feel like the Lord out of the blue, I've never heard him before, said, you're going to be blessed again. And I was like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a job. That's Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Took a pregnancy test, wasn't pregnant, took a pregnancy test, a week later was. And we, my husband and I both were like, oh, well, I guess the Lord actually speaks. Yeah. So sometimes a few years go by. Sometimes he speaks a lot. 
But in 2012, um, I was I was at the Catalyst Conference yeah. out west. Yeah. And we were praying for for people's work. I was praying for another woman, and I heard clear as day, "Quit Blistem." And I knew that I knew that I knew that I That's heard it. it. That's the thing. That's the thing. And he tends, when he speaks to me, it tends to be something that isn't exactly what I want to hear. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, yeah, it's not, it's not an audible Sometimes thing. It is. Sometimes it's, it can be. Every a beautiful once in a thing. while. Yeah, that's every right. once in a while. That's right. But he'll just shock me out of the blue yeah. with stuff. So, I mean, I, sometimes I tell these stories and I think I must sound crazy, but. It's what happens between me and Jesus. No, it's what happens. I mean, I think to me, one of my very favorite parts of our faith of being a Christian is that we have a God who speaks to us. And as much as you want to hear him, he will talk. And so I want my friends who are listening to learn. And so most everyone we get to talk to, if they say that, I push into it because I want people to hear the variety of ways that God speaks to us and tells you. But that... I know, you know, I know, I know, I know. That's you just, you know. And if sometimes he'll tell me stuff and I'll obey eventually, but mm. sometimes it'll take me a year. Mm. But if he really wants me to hear something, he will send people to me to give me the exact messages. That's good. Like, like there was something I was supposed to do last year that I didn't do. He sent um, our mutual friend, Bianca Oltoff. Yeah. She called me. She was like, I think I got a word from the Lord for you. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> it was exactly. It was, you know, and, and he kept sending people to me with the same thing, yeah. like to make sure that I took it seriously and I couldn't mistake that this is what I was supposed to yeah. be doing. Yeah. One way that I feel like the Lord speaks to us a lot is if you think you hear something for you, hold on to it, but also start testing it with other people, test it against the word, test it and see like, so I'll, a person will come into my life and then they'll be everywhere. I'll make a new friend and they'll be everywhere. And I'll be like, okay, God, I hear you. Like, she's supposed to be a part of my story or he's supposed to be a part of my story. Or it'll be like that where I hear a certain word and then I look and now that's a new TV show that's coming on or a new, and you're like, okay, I yep, got you. I got you. I, I get it. Yeah. You can't run. Yeah. That's it. The other, another thing the Lord's pushing me on with the slow thing is about savoring what I have and where I am. And then I was like, oh, our friend Shauna Nequist wrote a whole book called Savor. I should probably read it. You know, oh, like yeah. stuff like that that I'm like, there's probably something on day 312 of that book that will change my life that God took me down this long Wizard of Oz path to get to. I love that. Right. Yep, you're exactly right. And hearing him. So then you started writing books. You just knew that you were supposed to do Breaking Busy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Breaking Busy was first. And then I, I got a word from him again for the second book, which was fear. Yeah. And I thought, fear? Well, okay. Like, I can teach people about fear. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't realize that I had a problem with fear. Oh, this is good. Keep oh, going. I know. I know. So humbling. And I remember telling my um, my editor at Zondervan, next book's going to be on fear. And she Who said, is it, Sandy or? Sandy. Yeah, I love Sandy. And she said, well, what about fear? And I said, I don't know. That's my only word. But I don't have a problem with fear, so I'm going to go interview a lot of people about it. Because oh, I'm too big for my britches. <laughs> I just, I don't know what's coming. And then literally my whole life fell apart. So my husband, who's just the rock of our family, yeah. super healthy, he got um, a chronic illness called adult onset asthma that was really severe. Yeah. So we would go from him being really, really healthy, jogging, everything's great, to a virus that the kids brought home to him, like us going, does he have enough oxygen this week? Like, do we oh, need to check him into the hospital? Really? It was awful. So the week breaking busy came out. He was so sick that we canceled everything. And I didn't care about book launch. I cared about keeping him Thank breathing. You. At the end of that week, that Saturday morning at 8 a.m., my phone rang. I'm getting out of the shower, and it is Christine Kane. And she says, sit down. I need to talk to you. I wish I could do an Australian accent. It would be so much better, but <laughs> So I everyone can't. just imagine this is Chris. Yeah, this is Chris. Australian accent. Much louder and in an Australian yeah, accent. Right. So I sit down, and she said, listen, with this book, 
you're taking territory away from the enemy, mm. and you have to start taking yourself seriously. The enemy is coming after you, and he's coming after Mark, and he's coming after those boys, and you have to learn how to fight. And so I, being the mature woman, I am burst into tears. Burst into tears. I would have to. No, I was like, Chris, everything's falling apart. You don't understand. Mark's yeah. so sick, blah, blah. And she's like, stop. I know. That's why I'm calling you. Sit wow. down and listen to me. And so for 15 minutes, she's just encouraging me to learn how to fight back against fear. Yeah. And I didn't realize that there was any sort of fight. I didn't even realize that I was afraid. In my mind, I was just trying to like keep our head above water, keep my husband breathing. And so when I started thinking about like how do I how do I actually overcome fear, I had the realization that we are of course humans with a spiritual side. Yeah. But in church we're always taught perfect love has has no fear, you know, be strong and be courageous. But what if a whole generation of women and men are saying maybe I just don't love Jesus enough and that's why I'm afraid. Mm. Maybe Maybe if I had enough faith, I wouldn't wake up with a ball of anxiety in my stomach. So I kind of went on this journey to figure out how to tackle fear, anxiety, and worry from a physical and from a spiritual side and put those things together. But literally in the process, I felt like my life was falling apart. So for me, this book is really personal. Sometimes even when I speak about the book, it's hard to hold back tears because the journey I had to go through was so, so painful. Yeah. yeah, so expensive. What would you say to someone who is hearing for the first time that there's a spiritual battle? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. I was nervous talking so much about the enemy in this book, actually. Yeah. Because I'm going to you... start this back up, by the oh, way. Yeah. Annie's essential oil diffuser well, listen, do you is know giving why? us life. What? I am allergic to my desk. That's not possible. It, it's bizarrely true. And so, there's something about the desk that makes my face Is itch. it the wood? I think so. I but think it's the wood. Good. Thank you. Um, we've even sealed it. And still my face itches. And so if we will do purification in here, it purifies whatever is around us and it will help my face not itch as much. That's great. I know. Okay. I need to sell the desk, but it was made by a very special friend, my friend Blake Bergstrom. And it's beautiful. And it's beautiful. And it reminds me of him and his family, whom I love. And so I just keep diffusing. So okay. I'm sorry. No, diffuse away. Okay. Talk we're talking. Yeah, we're talking about the devil. Yeah. Talk, well, talk about the devil. Talk about the devil. some oils. Yeah. I Can mean, we be more Christian, basic <laughs> white women right now? We need to do an Instagram for John Chris right now. Seriously, John would. Side yes. note, best um, podcast ever Thanks. with him. Like, yeah. Uh, so amazing. Okay, about the devil. Here's what I think. It's all through scripture that he's all around. And who are we to pretend like he's not He's not existing? Like mm -hmm. he's, if you believe in God and you believe the Bible is true, the devil's a real thing. The devil's working at us all the time. I had to start learning that we really are in a spiritual battle. So I reread the screw tape letters. Have you read the screw yes, tape letters? Yes, but not Life in a changing. long time, yeah. I've probably read it 20 times. And, oh my gosh, why? Um, because every time I read it, I get something new out of it. It's quick, And it's, it's such easy. a quick read. Yeah, yeah if yeah, you haven't read it, Lewis. it's like two devils writing letters to each other. So quick, such an easy read. But it is so it has it's just full of profound truths about the human condition and how the enemy tricks us into thinking certain things. So if anybody out there is going, I don't know, it sounds like sounds kind of crazy, get the screw tape letters. Yeah. It will change your life. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend, one of my guys who played baseball have some really weird experiences spiritually. Yeah. And I was visiting him where he was playing ball. And we went to the bookstore. And I was like, and I, that's why I got him with screw tape players. I was like, you need to read this just so that you know this is real. What you are experiencing is real. You are not making this up. 
I mean, that's why the armor of God exists. For real. Is because we are actually in a battle. Yeah, and and when you're going through life and you're dealing with something difficult, maybe it's fear, maybe it's anxiety, who knows what it is. Maybe it's people-pleasing, and that's why we're so busy. Mm -hmm. It is a brilliant strategy of the enemy to kind of come in from the side when we're not looking and take us out. Like, yes, storms of life are going to happen. Illness is going to happen. Job loss is going to happen. But it's right in those moments that the enemy sees that we're weak and can come in and try to attack us. And that's when it's really important to be strong and fight back. What does it look like to fight back? For me, the best things are um, worship. Yes, yes. I'm all about worship. For me, I was kind of falling apart in that season when my husband was so sick. And there was one day I went to CVS to pick up just a whole slew of medicine for him. And normally I would just drive back home. And that day I put my head on the steering wheel and I was like, Lord, this is, this is the worst. You've got to help me through this because we're falling apart. And instead of driving home, I'll, I'll cry when I talk about it because it's, it's such a life-changing moment for me when I realized how to attack. Instead of driving home, I turned on the radio and I sang. Mm-hmm. And I sang worship music until my soul finally felt whole again. I sang that I was no longer a slave to fear, that he was a good, good father, that he was a God of miracles, and that he was my anchor in the storm, and that I was not going to be afraid. Yeah. And I sang from my spirit until my body finally started feeling better. Yeah. And for me, yeah. I realized I was going to, for the rest of my life, fight back with worship. Yes. There is actually one of the things that the Passion Band centers on and what Passion Church talks about is that worship is a way to battle. Absolutely. It's a way to fight. How do you find the music you use? I listen to worship music all day long. Like I'm one of those Spotify? Do you have like, yeah. See, I build Spotify playlists constantly. I just posted it on Instagram stories a few days ago. It's 145 songs. Oh my gosh. And I'll send it to you. I gotta say. We'll link it in the show notes. It's a pretty legit list. Yeah. Did you build it yourself? I sure did. 145. Listen, someone who fights can come up with a list that's 145 songs long. Yes. That's right. It's good stuff. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to subscribe. I can't wait. And so you just put it on and just go. I go. And I will. And some days, you know, we're supposed to start off with prayer. Like that's what we do as Christians. We start off with prayer in the mornings. Some days when things are hard, I don't necessarily want to talk to God. Mm. I just that's don't. Fair. That's so fair. Because I'm going through a rough spot or I'm yep. frustrated or he's not doing things exactly when I want him to do things. Mm-hmm. Hello. And I'll turn on that playlist and I'll turn it on shuffle and by song one or two, I'm crying. Yeah. And it completely gets me in the right space to go, I'm so sorry, Lord. I know what you're doing. Let's talk. Yeah, 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 that is the same for me. I will play it. When we had Corey Asbury on the show, one of the things I told him is that when I play his music over my life, meaning in the background of when I'm getting ready in the morning, driving to work, yep. if I'm in an airplane, if I will play that music into my head, it will change my heart every time. Okay, I can't believe I'm saying this because again, I'll sound crazy, but there is, you know how everybody has certain situations that they put themselves in where they're more likely to hear from God? Yeah. For me, it's corporate worship. Okay. So if I am at a large event and say passion's playing or yeah. even at church and we're worshiping, that is when out of the blue, sometimes God will just give me that whisper of the nudge. Mm. And I'm always like, Let, let's get to worship Yeah. because I'm hoping yeah. to hear something from God. And you go in with that expectation mm-hmm. and you're not worshiping to get it, but you know, when you put yourself in the right position, sometimes that's when he'll, he'll yeah. give you a nudge. And I love yeah, that. Yeah, I do too. For me, it's it happens sometimes in corporate worship. For me, mostly it's when I am reading scripture in the morning yeah. and something stands out in a way that, or I'll look at a different version mm-hmm. and then I'll go, oh, that's God 
God's trying to show me something yep. and I'll keep digging into it though. There are, I mean, it happens in corporate worship sometimes too, but for me so much, it's, it's my morning time. I mean, I grew up a Christian and did not love having quiet times. I thought they were annoying and I could never sit longer in about six minutes without being bored. Now it has become like a life source for me. Like I need it. Like I didn't get to this morning cause I woke up late cause I've been on West coast time this week or yeah, it, close enough. Mountain time. I was in Salt Close Lake. Enough. I mean, I was off an hour. And so I woke up an hour late today. And so I missed having time and I, it feels different. Yeah. Now I did not grow up a Christian. I did not grow up in church at all. Okay. So for me, it's all new. Yeah. yeah. My grandfather was a Southern Baptist minister. Yeah. And my father passed away when I was almost three. And there was something happened where my mom, I think she just felt hurt. Yeah. And of course, her life fell apart, of course, because sure, she lost sure, her sure. husband. So I always grew up knowing about God, knowing God loved me as a Christian, but never in church. So all of the cultural Christianity that everyone else grows up with, I had zero. Yeah, no, so That's I kind so of went beautiful. into things. I mean, yes and no, because I go into things fresh and go, oh, th- this is what we do. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So it's been about... Um, maybe 19 years now that I've been in quote-unquote Christian culture, right. but I missed it all growing up. So people will be like, well, you know, I'm sure you did a wanna, And I'm like, what's a wanna? <laughs> no idea. I want to do what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Tell me about becoming a believer. What made you decide this was the life you wanted? Well, I always grew up hearing about God. Yeah. And, and every once in a while, we would visit my granddaddy's church before he retired. So to me, God was just an average part of the life, like like anybody else. Um, but it's just mom did not go to church. So I just missed out on all of it. When mm-hmm. I was in high school, she sent me to a Southern Baptist high school. And that's when I was like, oh, there's so much more. I had no idea because it was just me and my mom all those years. Right. And so when oh, I was so you six, had no siblings. No, no siblings. Wow. No. So okay. accepted Christ when I was 16. Did a good job for a couple of years. Had a few years in college where I was like, Jesus, who? Yeah, right? Sure. Like I'll, those are my prodigal years. And then, of course, came back to him. Yeah, yeah. He won't. He won't let me stay gone for that. Listen, aren't you glad? I mean, listen. The only reason I'm here is because he's he's tied me to him, not because I've tied myself. I am very sure that the only reason I can stay in this thing is because he holds me. It is certainly not me. I'm a runner and a. I mean, you know, yeah. you're a pain. You're a seven two. We run from pain and we run from hard. So he has tethered me. Can I just talk about the fact that I'm a seven that wrote a book on fear? I know. That's incredible. I know. That's that's you doing the work. That means you're a healthy seven. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'm like, Lord, you got to put me through this for real. I know. I know. I joke all the time that I wish the Lord would let me write books about things I'm really good at. Well, I joked forever too. Okay, here's a story. I've never talked about this, but okay. I'm going to talk about it. This is a seven moment. Yeah, yeah ready. Okay. Okay, so I used to joke that I wanted my next book to be about happiness because writing Fierce Faith sucked so yeah, bad. Yeah. And so I'm um, talking to the Zondervan team one day, and they said, we want you to do a devotional. I was like, devotional, that's great. That's yeah. amazing. And then that next week I was praying, and I felt like the Lord said, okay, you can do happiness. And, was, and part of me was like, I'm telling myself this. This isn't the and Lord. Yeah, yeah. The Zondervan team and I go back and forth about, like, what will the devotional be about? And I'm like, worry is a big thing. That kind of goes with fear. Let's do worry. They come back to me, and they go, we want happiness. <gasps> uh-uh. But I didn't get it. So I called my agent, and I'm like, listen, I think the Lord told me my next book is happiness. If I write a devotional on happiness, can I still write a, a quote-unquote real book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, Allie. 
um, I think this is confirmation, duh, yeah, this happiness. Yeah, so yeah. this fall, I'm doing a devotional. It's coming out the year of living happy. Oh, I love it. So is it 365? No, no, no. It's 100. Yeah, but we're calling it a year. Too. Yeah. yeah, it's I, so good. It's so fun. I love your book. Oh, thank I still you. have the you temporary promise. tattoos, and I was gonna yeah. put, I was gonna put one on to impress <laughs> you today, but I forgot to. No, thank you. I um the beautiful thing about doing a devotional for people and doing a hundred like yeah. you've done, and like I got to do is that is so attainable. People can do a hundred days of anything for real, and and I like to go. You know, I'm all about like practicality and research. So I would look at what does scripture say? Yeah. And then what what does the research say? And yeah. it's I'm obsessed with finding all these scientists that aren't believers going, well, after a 20-year study, who yes. knows? Yeah. Finding something greater than yourself and having gratitude leads to happiness. And we're like, yeah, we yeah, know. We know. We yeah. know. So we I, know love, I love combining those What's things. What's the release fun. date? When's it come out? Just I, in the fall sometime. I don't know. Do you know the title? Is it 100? Um, it's The Year of Living Happy. The Year of Living Happy. Sorry, yeah. you did say that. The Year yeah. of Living Happy. I haven't even talked about it yet. I may not supposed to be talking about it, but hello. So Sorry, Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> don't kill us, Sandy. You love us both. Um, um, that's amazing. And I just feel like, well, my question is, what have you wrestled down to write that? Okay, here it is. The belief that Christians shouldn't necessarily aim for happiness. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. But here's what I think. Just because we love Jesus doesn't mean we necessarily have healthy habits. Just because we love oh, Jesus doesn't mean all of a sudden we don't have all this junk. So once we get saved, our growth doesn't end. But I think we have the responsibility as Christians with the world at our fingertips to deal with our junk and to learn small little strategies that really do increase happiness yeah. um, to help us to be a light in the world. Yeah. Because it doesn't help us if... If we're believers, but we're grumpy all the time because we don't know how to take care of ourselves or we don't know how to love other people or have great relationships, I feel like that's really, really important. So there shouldn't be a divide between happiness and holiness. I talk a lot in the book about holy happiness. Mm. Yeah. I feel Mm -hmm. like they should go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, we're born where we are at this time. Mm -hmm. We need to go for it. Yeah, that's right. And I do. I mean, I think there's so much to when you talk about happiness, you are not saying there is not pain. Oh yeah. And you're I not can saying tell you about feel pain. this only. You're only allowed to feel happy. Yeah. But there is a call is probably a strong word. There is a opportunity to say, what would it look like if I pursued happiness? Yeah, because for real. terrible things are gonna happen to us. Yeah. Like I just came out of a whole season with terrible things happening yeah. to me. It's how I wrote this book and provided all these battle plans for how to get over it. But that's just real life. Mm-hmm. And if we don't go, okay this is how I'm going to get through this, but here's how I'm going to invest in myself and invest in others. Yeah. Because when we invest in our own happiness, it makes everybody else around us happy. Right. Yeah. How are you different after writing Fierce Faith? Oh, I'm a fighter now. And I never saw myself as a fighter. Like I, Chris was right that day when she called me and she said, you've been hiding in the corner when, when bad things happen, eating Reese cups for too long. Like she knows I love Reese cups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, you got to stand up and learn how to fight. And... Like, I I guess I'm a seven, like we're talking about it, and I'm excitable, and I like to do things, but, like, I'm not loud. Mm -hmm. I'm not not somebody that argues with people. Like, that's just, that's not me. So when I thought of the concept of fighting, it didn't resonate at all. Mm. But now I know I'm a fighter because I won't back down. I will worship. I will I will circle my house worshiping so bad I'll scare the dog right behind the couch. Yep, yep. And I'm not gonna give up on anybody. So so for me, that's what being a fighter means. I resonate with that so much because when I quit quitting, my life changed. When I became a fighter, my life changed. I think maybe that's an everybody thing. Maybe it's particularly a seven thing, but I'm like, I'm a different woman than I've ever been. Yeah. Because I don't give up. 
and I will fight. And you just keep going. You just keep going. There's this mantra that I use in Fierce Faith that I, I talk about it in Fierce Faith, and it's it's just four simple lines. And because I say it to myself all the time, I put it on post-it notes. It's show up, be real, love others, and don't quit. Mm. Because for two, same again for us. Show up. Show up. Be real. Love others, and don't quit. So for so long, if things were uncomfortable, I just wouldn't show up. Mm. And then I would go in a situation and kind of take the temperature of a room and go, oh, this is what everyone wants me to be, and literally try to turn myself inside out. Well, what do you want from me? Okay, I'll do it. But if God gave us these these passions and gifts and quirkiness and uniqueness for a reason, He wants us to be Mm. those people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for me, loving others, because when I'm stressed, when I'm scared, I have the tendency to you know, not be as kind as I can. And then just not quitting, not quitting when things get tough. Like you said, not quitting when things get difficult to go, I'm in this, I'm in this fight and I'm going to stay in this fight. I'm going to stay on this path until God calls me away from it. Yeah. Hey friends, just interrupting Allie for just a second to say thanks to one of my favorite partners we have, Samaritan Ministries. At Samaritan Ministries, believers in Jesus are committed to sending financial gifts every month directly to an assigned member with a medical need. It's more than just money, which I love. It's more than just physical healing when there's a need. Samaritan members are praying for each other for all aspects of the members' needs is encouraging one another by also sending notes and cards. Every month, more than 70,000 households give generously to other members with a qualified medical need through Samaritan Ministries. I am actually a part of Samaritan Ministries, and I totally love it. It's one of the leading health care sharing ministries in America. Members send checks and prayers and notes of encouragement directly to other members in need. So currently, Samaritan members give a monthly share starting at about $100 and depending on your age and household size. But Samaritan Ministries members have never shared more than $495 a month for a family of any size, which I think is really significant. Just as significantly, Samaritan members are praying for each other and including notes. And it's just really sweet and helpful. And I I love it. So make sure you check out SamaritanMinistries.org. Back to our conversation with Allie. Two different friends and I had the same conversation yesterday. They didn't know, but they both said the same thing to me um, about how I wear my heart on my sleeve. That's not the exact words they use, but what they said is like, everyone who listens to the podcast knows I love the Enneagram and knows I love soccer. Like everyone knows what matters most to you. You wear your heart on the sleeve. And I think you do too, to some degree. I, I would be interested to hear you talk about what does it look like when you combine that wisdom of showing up, that wisdom of not being a quitter, but also, I mean, what you said about like God knew how he made us. And because in one of the conversations, I was kind of defending myself of going, I know, but like, I don't know what to do if that's how God made me. Yeah. So what does it look like for you to honor how God made you and still act in wisdom? Oh, that's a great question. I am forever getting feedback from people who love me enough to tell me when I'm out of line. Yes. So I, I will only be close friends with people who love me enough to be like, Allie, mm. you're, you're kind of screwing up in this area. Let me tell you how. Because yeah. it's so easy to be somebody's friend who always gives you the good news, who always tells you you're great. You know, you go do shallow things together and you have shallow conversations. I want friends who are going to call me out on the carpet. Mm-hmm. So for me... And it doesn't have to be nasty. No, it, it doesn't, doesn't have, have to be, be strong. No, it can yeah. just be like, have you thought about... Yeah. And then all of a sudden you realize like, oh, this is my real friend. Exactly. Who she just corrected me and I barely even knew. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, I have such quirkiness that I rely on people who love me enough to be like, now this right over here, 
do you really think that's healthy? Yeah. Or this right over here, yeah. do you feel like that's a good idea? And that keeps me in line quite a yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Our pastor at Crosspoint, Kevin, a couple of weeks ago, we were on the phone talking about something different and he very slowly corrected me on something and like a, well, you know, what you've actually done is you've really built up some endurance and I bet that means you'll be, and I was like, Oh, he's telling me I've been doing it wrong and he's doing it so well that I barely even notice, except I noticed. Well right? done. That's it a, was beautiful. That's, and he cares enough yeah, to help you. To tell yeah. me the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so so as a seven, one of the things I hear a lot in my head is I'm a lot. And I'm too like on, on my worst days, on my best days, I'm a lot. I'm just a lot. I'm just a lot of Annie and take it or leave it. On my worst days, I'm too much. Do you hear that in your head or do you hear that you're not enough? What's the lie that the enemy loves to feed you the most? Absolutely that I'm not enough. Really? Absolutely. I suffer from the imposter syndrome. Okay. So if, if y'all don't know what the imposter syndrome is, it's especially with women, but the more successful you get, the more you convince yourself that you're there by luck mm-hmm. or that eventually people are going to figure out that you don't know what you're doing. Yep. So every opportunity I have, I go, oh, I, I don't know if I'm up for it. And I will have a tendency to to try to say no. So when Chris came to me to ask me to help her build Propel, I said no many times. Yeah. And said, listen, Jesus is going to have to tell us both that we that I should do this. Yeah. I'm telling you no. Yeah. She said, Jesus just has to tell you. Mm. So any big opportunity that I get, I will tend to turn it down. Yeah. Because I have this voice inside my my head that says you're not enough. And it and for me, I have to really go wrestle with the Lord yeah. and go, do do I want this? Do you want this for me? Are you going to empower me to be able to do it? Because on my own, I absolutely can't. That's right. So that, that's the voice I hear. I want to do everything. Yeah. Um, but then I will let fear and the pain of the, the, the pain of potential rejection make me bolt. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me how you feel about the phrase girl boss. Stupid. Stupid. It needs, it needs it. to die a thousand deaths. Like the devil under my heel, girl uh-huh. boss needs to be Why? squashed under because it's stupid. It devalues women entrepreneurs and women business leaders. Whenever I see girl boss, I'm not going to say that because that's going to be mean. I was going to be like, okay, I'll say it. Whenever I see girl boss, it makes me think of like people selling things out of the trunk of their car. Yeah. Like hashtag girl boss on the bus. Just stop yeah, saying it. Stop. Because if you're really a boss, you're just if you're a boss. really in business, you're just doing it. When you don't is need the to last time it. we called somebody a boy boss? <sighs> don't get me started. I'm getting you started. I'm, I'm doing I'm it. Getting, I'm, I'm going to take off my jacket. Because the imposter syndrome lives in the same house that girl boss lives. Yes. Because if we believe that we aren't, because we are female, we are unable to do fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. We are saying, I can't be a boss, but I can be a girl boss. Look at me. I did. If I'm a girl boss, I did more than you thought I would do because I'm a female. Oh, that's that good. That makes that's, me want maybe to. Maybe that's why it makes me so angry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because a normal boss is just a boss, but a girl boss means you exceeded our expectations. Yay. Girl boss. I can't stand it. Hate it. Sorry, hate everybody it. that puts it on your Instagram. Just stop. But if you're gonna hashtag girl boss, just if you're gonna say I'm a girl boss, just say you're a boss. No, just just don't hashtag it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just don't. Allie and Annie are having one goal for 2018 and t- 2019. No more girl boss across it's, the internet. It's voted off Did of Instagram. Did you read that book? No more. No. Did you? Yeah. I, I don't I think she's very nice. So I don't care what she has to say. I got two chapters in. I thought, no, I'm not gonna. I only have so much time to read. I'm going to read books that encourage me to to do well with the best version of myself. And she repeatedly, I'm not making a judgment. She repeatedly did this unethical things oh, I'm, to get I, where she is. That doesn't surprise me. I don't care how brilliant people are in business, but if they don't have the same 
You don't even have to be a Christian. But if you're not just an ethical, moral person, I don't want to learn from it's you. It's one of the things I love about Seth Godin. Yes. Right? I don't know all his belief system. I think he is one of the kindest men I've ever known. I love him beyond. I mean, I just, I love him. Same thing with Jim Collins. Jim yes. let me come out to his office in Boulder and spend some time with him. Yes. Amazing person. And, and their belief system aside, yeah. whatever it is. Whatever it is. They're so ethical and so high integrity in how they run business and successful. Yeah. Because not you don't always get both. Sometimes, probably, there are often times where people are highly ethical and don't make it as far as they could if they would cheat and cut corners. Totally. I don't want to be her. Mm-mm. Not worth it. No. So no, when that book came out, it was all the rage. Everybody was reading it. Nah. Yeah. What do you read? What do you love to read? Do you read books? Do you read magazines? I read a lot of business books. Oh, do you? Yeah. Um, and I read, of course, Christian nonfiction because I get everybody's books. We get everybody's books. We get yeah. everybody's books. The book that I read recently that I think is the best book I've read in years, and you should have her on the podcast, yes. is Kate Bowler's. We're working on it. Oh, we were supposed to have on. her two weeks ago and she wasn't feeling well. And so, but I've heard the book. I haven't started. Have I started? I have it. I know exactly where it is. So I've so read something. Phenomenal. Yeah. That's what I've heard. I've heard she's unbelievable. And so we immediately, someone else connected us and we immediately reached out and we're like, hey, come on. And so we had it scheduled and then um, she wasn't feeling well. So like life changing. What do you book. love about it? She has the ability to open your eyes to things that you never knew. You never knew people were going through. Mm. Um, and with a depth and a humor, like, I don't want to give it away, but you know, she, she's obviously a believer. I mean, she's a professor of divinity at Duke, but she's going through this hard season and she actually says, I love the honesty. She says, um, for Lent, instead of giving something up, she started cussing. Oh, at a girl. And I was just like, if I had stage four cancer, I probably would too. And I think Jesus understands. Yeah, that's right. Good for her taking up something. (laughs) Just being honest, you know, because we live in this culture as women where we're, we're not supposed to admit that that we have a crisis or mm. we ever say anything wrong or do anything wrong because everything has to look perfect. Yeah. Um, and she was just so honest about her struggle. How do you balance that? How do you balance, and this is something John and I talked about in his podcast too, how do you balance that public life and private life? How do you balance what you do say, wrestle with publicly? Because I, I juxtapose back and forth between, I don't know if that's the right word there, but we're going to go with it. Something is going on, I'm going to back off and be quiet. And something is going on, and this is the right time to say it. Yeah, that's a great question. One thing that I hear from everyone that reads my books is they can't believe how vulnerable I am in the books. Yeah, I agree because with I that. tell so, I just tell everything. You do. If I err on the side of honesty, no one will ever be surprised by me. Mm. Like if I just will go ahead and tell you all the ways I'm a mess first, yes. then when you meet me, you won't be like, oh, she really doesn't have her act together. I don't. Yes. But there are things, there are stories that I can tell and stories that I can't tell. So when I started writing Breaking Busy, I said to Mark, my husband, can I tell all of our stories? He said, not not the embarrassing ones. And I said, well, I was going to tell about bankruptcy and homelessness. And he was like, oh, that's fine. (laughs) Oh, those are fine. (laughs) And I was like, well, I don't know what isn't fine. And so Fierce Faith, of course, talks a lot about him being so sick, and he was fine with that. So I get permission to tell some stories, but some stories aren't mine to tell. Now, something that we've been going through as a family for the past month is at the beginning of this month, my cousin, who's like my sister, her husband was in a car accident, was in a coma. Mm. So I haven't been on social media that much because, and this is where, this yeah, is where I'm taking, yeah. yeah, this is, my kids, by the way, are out in the lobby while we record this podcast because yeah. after this podcast, we're on the way to her house to help take care of her son. Okay. So I just haven't been on social media much because I've been going back and forth in my hometown helping her. Yeah. But that story is not mine to put on social media. Right. And if I'm in a place where... Um, I'm not feeling great. If I'm not emotionally 
healthy because mm-hmm. I'm sad about mm-hmm. something, I don't force myself to go play nice on social media. Yeah. I'll just be quiet. Yeah. And I tend to tell the stories later, Yeah, but not when I'm in the middle of it. Yeah. Like life tragedies and difficult times, especially for family members, are not fodder for me to get social media Come engagement. On. Yeah, that's right. My girls hear me talk about this a lot, a lot that work with me. My, one of my rules is if I'm hungry, I don't let the internet feed me. No. And so I, if no. something's going on and I'm feeling empty... There are certain places I do not go. I don't text men. I don't go to the internet. That is not where I go when I'm hungry. I go, yeah. I can do a lot of other things. I can talk to my people. I can talk to the Lord. The internet and single men are not where I go. That's smart. When it's, I feel that. It's too easy because we know as social media creators, you know, people who, who write things all day, we know what to write to get approval. Mm-hmm. I know if I can put up a certain Instagram, everyone's going to say, oh, you're so smart or that's so spiritual, you know, whatever. Yeah. But when I need it, I can't post it. That's it. Yep. And if things are going bad in my life, like the dog got sick and I'm cleaning the carpet, I don't need to go on Instagram and see everybody's vacation photos. Yes. You know, like yeah. there's sometimes when it's healthy and sometimes when it's not. Yeah. I think Instagram stories has been a game changer. For you. Yeah. Or because, across the board. Uh, well, I love Instagram I'm, stories. Oh, you're, and you're so great at it. Oh, I love you're the kind. restaurant reviews. It's oh, hilarious. yeah. See yeah, the taste great. buds. I, I love, love it. it. Um, because the feed is something that's still curated and perfect. People seem to really like perfection on the feed, but stories are real. So I just gave up looking at the feed. I'm watching everybody's stories like a TV show. And and if if you're curated and you're perfect in your stories, it doesn't work. So I like the realness and I like people being raw. But you don't do first takes only, do you? Do you just do first takes? Because sometimes I'll repeat something if I say it wrong or the time doesn't work right. Only if I can't get the last couple of words in. Yeah, that's me too. Yeah, yeah. But my kids... Um, my kids are not my social media fodder. So mm-hmm. if occasionally I'll do a social media Instagram with my kids. But barely. Th- only they won't allow reviews. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they won't allow it because they don't want to pose yeah. and they don't feel like they need to be part of my career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I respect that. Yeah. Same Who with my husband. Who do you love to watch that you aren't really friends with? Is there anybody you watch that you don't really know? Oh, golly. I don't know. I really just watch my friends. Yeah. I mostly watch my friends. Sometimes I go through and watch the guys from Queer Eye, the new show on Netflix. Oh, yeah. They're great at Insta Story. Have I need to watch, watch them. Oh, no. it's really but my, it's a great show. My favorite Insta Story is John Crest. But yeah. I do know John. John and I used to speak at John Acuff's events back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. And John, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. Back then, I was like, I just don't know how. I just don't get his humor. Right? <laughs> but now, all of a sudden, he's the funniest guy in the he's world. the funniest guy yeah. in the world. Yeah. And he's great at Insta Story. He was born for Insta Story. He says that. Yeah. 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 He, he is hysterical. Um, okay. So you watch him. You watch your friends. That's I mean, that's mostly where I I am too. I, it's mostly my friends. It's a great way to keep up with people and to know what really matters to everybody on a daily basis. That being said, I've been off Insta Story for a couple of weeks just to yeah, take a Yeah, what's going on? It's the very end of Lent. And I, uh, I might cry telling you this. I haven't really talked about it very much, but this Lent has been really special for me. And I wanted it to be really quiet at the end. I wanted me, I, it just really mattered to me that the Lord and I um, got some real good time at the end before it ended. I don't know that some of the things that have happened in this land, I don't know that it'll ever happen again for me. I mean, you can look on my wrist. I've written savor this on my wrist. I've done it every day this week because Sunday when we took communion here at church, I just wept because I thought there's only a week left and this has been so special and hard. It's been hard. I'll tell you about it later. It's been really hard too, but it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And the kindest thing the Lord's ever given me. So I just wanted, I wanted quiet. So I haven't, I posted on Sunday after church and then I just kind of 
took it off. I took, took them off my phone. I still have been like checking Twitter on my, my kind of what I said to myself is if I'm working, I can check. But at night when I'm laying in bed, I don't need to flip through Instagram looking at food things people are making or strangers or so that's where I've been. That's great. And I like how you said it's been so hard, but so good because good things tend to only grow in the really hard seasons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just needed, I see his kindness so clearly when I'm wrestling something down. Yeah. And it was just one of those seasons. That's why I've been quiet. But I did it today because I because today we're recording a week in advance. But um, Dansby Swanson's episode came out today, and today's the uh, opening of Major League Baseball. And so I I wanted to make sure I told everybody he existed That's on awesome. the podcast today. But then I I came into the office and said, "Okay, Maggie, I took Instagram back off my phone. I'm telling you right now, it's back off my phone. I just needed sometimes you just need a break, and That's you good. don't have to explain that. I mean, I, I'm happy telling you because you're my friend, but yeah. I didn't feel the need to go." Hey everybody! I'm taking a social I'm media break. break. I just went. You know what? I want to. I want it to be quiet for a minute. So I'll just take these off my phone and I'll be quiet. And the world doesn't end if we don't post. Thank you. Yeah. And if if someone's world does end, if my world ends because I don't post, then I have a real problem. Seriously, it's and kind so, of like you won't see anybody for a little while, and then a story pops up, and you're like, oh yay! Yeah. If they've created a story, you're back. Yeah. 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 So for it's me, cool. it's and also I I spend where I am in my anniness, which I will. Who knows where I'll end up at next next week, but. I spend less time looking at the likes and neat and that and way more time just scrolling through the unending content. Um, I say a lot from stage that one of my medicators is my phone because Absolutely. I'd rather my phone hit me in the face at night looking through Instagram because I fell asleep than feel lonely in my bed. I talk about that. So there's there's these signs. I, I talk about it in Fierce Faith. There, I call them the five bad bees mm. of, of how we try to manage fear. Yes. The first one's busyness. The second one is binge. And I talk about that with binging because instead of laying my head on the pillow at night yeah. and thinking about what was scaring me, I would literally scroll until my phone hits my face. Yes, yes and amen. Yeah. I used to do that too. That's us. Yeah. And so how'd you stop? What's your solution for not medicating with your phone? I had to wean myself off of it. So I would fall asleep with earbuds listening to worship music. Because you of, and your worship music. I'm obsessed. And you I know what? I love it. I keep, I keep having these conversations with the Lord like, Lord, you made me love music so much. If you could just give me a singing voice, I would use it for you. And the Lord's like, I know you. you I would know not you use would. It. Yeah, yeah. you use it, but not for me. Um, so I've started plugging mine in across the room, Smart. which I used to do. I have done it for a long time, but I would hold it until I was falling asleep. And then I would go plug it in. And now at 10, I just plug it in. Mm-hmm. I'll just set it on a timer, it. listen yeah. to music. And then I pretty much know how long it takes me to fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's how you, yeah. I think if our people of faith could break their addiction to their phone, we would see God do some incredible things. Because I believe, and you do this too, I believe the internet is beautiful for spreading the gospel. I really do. I think it is helpful and good. And I love, like even today I posted like, say something nice to your church staff because they've been working so hard at Easter. Like how else am I going to get to say that to tens of thousands of people? Yeah. Right? There's no other way I get to do that. That being said, how do how I treat my phone affects my faith. Absolutely. And I think that we're fighting something in our culture now where there's a business model built on on Instagram by women kind of pretending to be models, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like the whole feed is just professional photos of themselves in front of walls, which I, I'm not cracking on, 
But I don't know if that's necessarily healthy for them and healthy for all their followers because right. there's there's no real substance there. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know they're getting so much stuff for free. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is hard for me. As a businesswoman, I'm like the FTC will be after that long enough. Mm-hmm. I watched it happen in blogging. It's going to happen. That's like, right. That's right. We know how this goes. I've been here a long time. That's I know right. what's going to happen. That's right. But just from from the emotional health aspect of it, I don't think, I think if we let ourselves scroll and we let ourselves follow accounts where all of a sudden everyone's a model and there's professional photo shoots and hair done and everything, it's not good for us and it's not good for the women who will come along after us. Yeah. That's, talk about that, the women coming along after us. What are, what should we be doing to shape our Instagram feed for the next generation? Wow, that's a great question. I mean, I post a lot of letter boards, so maybe I'm not helping. But, no, but I think you know, it, no, I think you are. I think that we have to we have to focus ourselves on on sharing things that are, that are real. So my social media plan, because I'm a strategist at yeah, heart, yeah. I'm not going to share anything unless it has one of the three E's. It's okay. going to educate, entertain, or actually, it's not really a E. It's an I. Educate, entertain, or inspire, yeah. or encourage. Those are the three E's. And if it doesn't do one of those things, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna post it. It's beautiful because everything that we post has to benefit the people that are looking at it. And if it's not going to be beneficial to them, if it's not going to build them up or encourage them or at least give them a laugh, yeah. it's not worth doing. That's right. You're yeah. exactly right. Okay, so the last question we always ask, I've got to know because you're seven. I left us plenty of time because I really need you to go there on being fun because you are. I've lived life with you. You're very fun. If you could do anything fun, what do you do for fun? What is fun for you? I know you love going to the movies. I do too. Movie I'm pass? Obsessed. Did you do movie it? pass? Oh, life changing. Maggie and I, my sister Maggie and I were talking yesterday. She's like, I may go see that movie. And I was like, you have movie pass. It's free. Go see it. Go it's see it. Virtually free. Okay. So last week I went to go see Pacific Rim with the 16 year old. Yep. Eh, it's okay. No, okay. it's the first one. Then we saw, I could only imagine the next day, cry my eyes out. Really? So good. Yes. Okay. Shocker. Then the next day, my 16 year old went again. To see Tomb Raider? Yeah. Nah. But you saw it. And but you I loved saw it. it. We were just like, you Why know, do what you we love can movies do? so much. Well, you know what's funny? Okay, I didn't know this until I read the Enneagram of Christian Perspective. Yes. Sevens love movies, especially yeah. sci fi. Really? And I'm like, no wonder I've loved yes. Star Wars my whole yes, life. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Because okay. we, we love to be entertained. Yes. Um, I'm all about movies. Um, anytime there's a worship event, I'm all over it. Yeah. I'm, there's a worship event for Good Friday in Nashville here, and yeah. I'm so sad to miss it, but I'm going to my cousin's yes. house, so, you know, yeah. it all evens out. But what I'm going to do tomorrow that makes me happy is I'm buying Need to Breathe Johnny Swim tickets. They're coming on my birthday oh, to my gosh, town. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. What's August 25th. August 25th. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're co- man, I'm going to buy those tickets tomorrow. Right? I didn't know that was happening. It, Thank you, Facebook Need ads. to breathe and oh, listen! I mm-hmm. bought many a swimsuit and tickets thanks to Facebook. Ads. I'm a sucker for Facebook ads, but I will buy just about anything on Instagram ads. Like I even yeah. bought like the ghetto version of the magnetic eyelashes. Oh yeah, terrible! Idea. <laughs> I just bought a swimsuit with tigers on it. So <laughs> now that that can't be anything but awesome. That's why I thought. And me and Christy Wright and Rachel mm-hmm. Cruz are going to Vegas next month, and I was like. Of course, I need a swimsuit with tigers on Duh. it for Vegas. That's Why would what you I figured. Not? Yeah. Okay. So, what is there a movie coming out that you're really looking forward to? 
Is there something you know? Or do you just, I mean, you just look and go, we're going to go on Tuesday. Let's pick one. No, I'm really excited. I want to see Ready Player One, yeah. which comes out tonight. But um, the 16-year-old and I are going to go Saturday night because why not go the night before Easter That's to see right. Ready Player That's One? Right. It's very, very spiritual. Excited about that. I'm excited about the Han Solo movie. Yes. I'm so excited about the new um, Infinity War from Avengers. I'm such a nerd. Y'all. I love this. I don't. I, love I didn't it. know that. Oh, well, because I mean, I I know have, that's what you see because I watch the reviews, but. I have five boys. Yeah. And But I've never been a romantic comedy girl because okay. I feel like like it sets the standards for love and romance too high. Yeah. Because or just like, too off. Yeah. Too sideways. Like, yeah. Like, no, I don't yeah. want that. So comedies, action movies, yeah. I'm all about it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I will be there for opening night for um, Infinity War. Oh, and Infinity War. Yeah, I'll okay. be there for everything. Because we can, because we have movie pass. Why not? What's your snack? What do you do? Um, I sneak food in. Oh, what a girl. Um, yeah. Sorry, movie theaters. I am gluten and dairy free. Yeah, me because too. Because... Because it's just a better just, way to live, Well, honestly. no, no. For me, I got sick last year. Okay. So I had to cut out sugar, gluten, and dairy, okay. which is terrible. I like eat my own sadness I know, now. I know, But you know what's crazy? Haven't lost a pound. Right. But you are but you feel better, huh? I guess. But I I'm know. like, if I don't eat all the stuff that I use, come on, I body. Know. I know. So I go to Publix, and I get vegan bites, which are kind of like vegan cookies, yep. and kombucha, and I sneak that in. Oh, kombucha. Well done. <laughs> um, last time I snuck something into a movie, it was a burrito from Taco Bell. <laughs> Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm judging you right now. Oh, okay, you should. Hold on, hold on. It stinks. It's like taking it on a plane. Yeah, 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 I know. I just was, my roommate Amanda and I were super hungry, and there's a there's a Taco Bell right across from our 100 Oaks movie theater, and I just needed it. And was Were people in the theater with yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, nobody cared. They Well, I'm sure they did. Uh, and that's my only, the only gluten I ever will eat is flour tortillas. I just, okay. it's really hard for me not to do Mexican food with flour tortillas, just, but I can do just about anything else. Corn tortillas corn, are no, nasty. No. They fall apart. I know. Mm-hmm. I'm not Texan. Texas people have real feels about corn, not me. Mm-mm. Um, Allie, thanks for being on the show. Thanks what for a having treat. me. This you are so, um, you're such a good voice for us to listen to. So I'm really grateful. Oh, friends, I hope you love that as much as I did. I'm such a fan of Allie Worthington. What a joy to get to speak with her and to get to yeah, share that uh, conversation with her. We sat in my office and just chatted it up, y'all. It was really, really special. So as always, um, if you will go to my website, anniefdowns.com backslash podcast, it'll give you a link directly to this post. You'll see a picture of Allie with the title of the podcast next to it. And that's where you can go and get all the links to the songs she talked about, the list she talked about, other important things, including links to her books, Fierce Faith and Breaking Busy. So I just want to make sure, particularly for this episode where she talks so much about the importance of worship music, I want to make sure you can get to the link to that Spotify playlist. I'll also tweet it out um, and put it on Instagram this week so everybody can find it. Hey, and if you need me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find Annie F. Downs across the internet. So if you need me, just head on there. You will find me as in fancy Annie F. Downs. And please, if you get a chance to rate and review the show, it helps so, so much, y'all. If my friends who are listening, just take a second and give us a bunch of stars and a couple of words about how you feel about the show. It would help a ton. And if you know a woman that would really benefit, or a dude, because you know, I know there are dudes who are listening. Y'all are tweeting me and telling me, and it isn't just girls here. There are dudes here too. But if you have a friend that you think would love this show, go ahead and share it with them. And now I get to go do something fun. It's Thursday. I'm going to counseling. I don't go every Thursday, but I go this Thursday. And it will not always be easy. And I'll probably cry at some point, but it's also really fun. Pursuing mental health is one of my 
um, things I'm really passionate about. So I am happy I get to go do that today. Make sure you grab Allie Worthington's book. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you today too. And we will see you next week with everybody's favorite friend, Bob Goff. You guys have a great week.